We are going to get like 50 shirts, so they'll be waiting for us at the hotel in Philly. By the way, what did we just find out about um, our trip to podcast movement this year, Dave? Why don't you um, share? Well, we just found out that we were selected to do a live Bird Road taping while we were there. That's Um, right. It's going to be on Wednesday. uh, Was it the 25th? Uh, whatever, it's the Wednesday next week. Um, whatever and, it is. Yeah, and we will be recording it at 1230 uh, in the afternoon. And we will, that'll probably be whatever our next episode is that we post on the show uh, once we get done or whatever. Or I guess you'll have your laptop with you. You could post it maybe even that night. Yeah, he says, uh, Stephen, Steve Stewart, who is the producer um, and director of FinCon Podcast Network, who I guess we should, um, I guess, recognize or plug, because um, it seems like he's he, he and his organization are responsible for this studio setup that we've been invited to take part in. Um, he says, just bring an SD card. So yeah. uh, that's it. And we'll be recording. I don't know who we should try to get. I don't know if a, po- if a podcast person really fits our show i have a feeling you're gonna try to like hijack it and turn it into a piecing it together episode <laughs> I, I got my like, own shit planned, what if we so. do a 10 minute bird road and then like a 15 minute uh 20 minute piecing it together why, and, don't, why don't i you copied me in that email why don't i email steve and be like can i get an extra 40 minutes for just piecing it together? <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of piecing it together what's going on over there this week dave so uh, we just posted an episode on an indie film called In Memory Of, which is a really crazy, weird movie that Chad brought to us. Uh, it, it's by Eric Stanzi, which is a filmmaker that uh, did some movies that played at Polygrind. So that's why we uh, we covered it. And uh, we got a lot of great feedback already. It just went up this morning um, from the like the indie horror film community, which is great. And then uh, we're planning on doing an episode on the other end of the spectrum on Skyscraper this coming Friday. So I think the big thing going on today, uh, obviously, uh, before we get into the news, um, this is just the the original the original fellas, the original bird boys uh, <laughs> drinking drinking that drinking that bird water. Um, <laughs> That's the new thing, bird the bird water. What if we showed up with big pallets of water bottles? And I, I had to water. carry it around that I'm just soaked in, in pain. Soaked, soaked in real bird. <laughs> this bird, this bird's for you. I hate this cue. <laughs> Dude, I really didn't choose to do this. 
Um, <laughs> so before we get to the news, uh, we should also mention um, our friends over at uh, Entre Dos Podcast. They're, they're not slowing down. They're putting the heat on us. If you saw their download numbers, Dave, mm-hmm. you'd be ashamed right now because they <laughs> are getting more downloads than both of our shows combined. And it's really, really kind of something that we're going to have to come to grips with. <laughs> Just being, being like the third and fourth most popular shows on our own network. It happens. Um, it happens, apparently. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about, obviously, the big, huge news today um, that we that everybody's talking about is uh, uh, Fetty Wap. No, it's um, <laughs> Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin in Helsinki. Um, I think that six hours after, or I think it's been about 10 hours since the meeting took place and the um, f- the press conference that they both held jointly afterwards took place there's a lot of takes that are out there and i mean obviously it's it's not good or anything like that i got to say though before we talk about that the one thing that i've found probably the worst is i don't even know really how to approach this because neither of us are 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 gay or lgbtq or anything like that but the new york times the new york times their opinion section um, put out a short cartoon by uh, Bill Plimpton. You remember mm-hmm. Bill Plimpton? Oh, yeah. I used to love him. So they put out this cartoon. It's like a, 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 a two-minute or a minute and a half, one minute and 12-second short of Donald Trump. In this episode of Trump Bites, Donald Trump's not-so-secret admiration for Vladimir Putin plays out in a teenager's bedroom where the fantasies of this forbidden romance come to life. I don't know. I might have laughed at this shit maybe 10 years ago, and a lot of other people might have laughed at it 10 years ago. But now you can't help but notice it's like crazy homophobic. It's it's making fun of Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin being gay with each other. And it's like how gross they're gay. Isn't it funny that they're gay and they're making out being gay is lame. And look at these lame gays being gay with each other. And that's like the extent of the joke. And it's right. right. It's just this repulsive 72 second cartoon and um i don't know like i saw teen vogue had a had a tweet where they basically kind of replied back to them or something like that and they they said something along the lines like did you know that you can condemn trump's relationship with putin without making a gay joke about it it's true (laughs) and i feel that way it's like i don't know man i don't there's no good people in any of these arguments (laughs) yeah no that that, that's a tough one i mean it that does seem to be the last, uh, the last acceptable part of homophobia is <laughs> still calling things gay. Yeah, uh, calling things gay you that know. you don't like. Yeah. And like if 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 the if the if the people that are being criticized meet these certain, I guess, levels of repugnance, then it's okay to make them be gay. <laughs> But the same people who would do that are the people who would call themselves allies or, you know, uh, proclaim to be woke or proclaim to be um, evolved and sure. not, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, man. 
New York Times opinion section is <laughs> do better. Do better, New York Times opinion <laughs> section. Um, it's just bullshit, dude. I don't know. This these stories, like I, I was complaining last week about the one with um about the Supreme Court story, which plays out in all, all the Supreme Court nominee stories always play out in the same predictable pattern. They always come through in the same way. And this one is kind of kind of the same way. We're going to get like four or five more meetings between Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump probably mm-hmm. during the next seven to 12 years of his next three <laughs> or four presidential terms. <laughs> and um, during that, I think that all of these things are going to happen. There's going to be this huge outrage factory, which I mean, to certain degrees are absolutely um, warranted. And like, I'm looking right now at this, this story that a few other people are kind of pushing out today about the treasury department. Um, Again, it's Trump's treasury department. He's the, the chief executive and he, he it's, it's falls underneath, you know, his purview making it more difficult to find um, to find out who's donating to specific non-profits. Um, you know, the 501c designated uh, organizations or, or designation or whatever. Um, like these are the kind of things that we don't, I mean, nobody's talk, talking about that today, but it's a thing that happened, right? New IRS guidance no longer requires some 501 501c tax-exempt nonprofits, including including 501c4 dark money groups spending money on politics to disclose donor names and addresses already not public under existing policy in annual 990 returns. Um, so uh, I'm just trying to get an understanding of what information, because it was already kind of hard to get that kind of that that information anyway. That there's been a slow move towards opaqueness, opacity, I guess, um, over the last few years to make it really difficult to tell who is funding things and who's paying for things. And I'm not sure exactly what it seems like there are specific sub designations underneath the 501 C larger designation that, um, that are now now have free reign to be a little bit more um, or less transparent, I should say uh, specifically about the people who, who are funding them. So um, this is all kind of brand new. I mean, like these are just breaking in the last couple, these, these stories are just breaking in the last couple hours. The, the reporters that know a lot about this specific little beat of, um, freedom of information and, uh, and, and, um, transparency reporting and, and FOIA requests and stuff like that are they're They're just now posting about this on Twitter. There's not really any well-formed analysis of what this means. But um, it's no reason not to, you know, bring it up and talk about it. Fuck it, right? Sure. <laughs> it sounds uh, sounds complicated. Okay. <laughs> if you're a reporter, you know what? We might have a lot of stupid people in our audience, like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that, I think that's what you're here for. You're here to explain to me, to which which is in turn going to explain to our stupid audience. In turn, I'll show you how I cook up summer in the winter. Um, <laughs> so, okay. If you don't plan to make a profit on your company, if you want to open up a, an organization, mm-hmm. some sort of 
entity. You don't plan to make a profit on it. You just plan to show zero profits at the end of the year because you will pay, put them all back into the company or you're going to just pay them out in salaries or you're going to give them to charity. Uh, you can you qualify to be a 501c mm-hmm. designated company, right? Now, that doesn't mean that all 501c's are do-gooder organizations. I mean, like the Red Cross and, um, you know, Sierra Club and stuff like that. Yeah, sure, they're, pro- they're designated that way. But um, so are our old friends over at like commentary magazine, right? They don't ever plan to make a profit because they're just getting donated money to push an agenda. And there's, there's no profit in what they're doing. They are, they are the, basically the marketing apparatus for something larger and bigger, which is like a conservative, uh, a neoconservative agenda, right? A a cultural conservative agenda. There's a lot of things like that. There's, I mean, to, to, to be fair, there are George Soros backed left-wing things. Well, I guess like neolib type things that are out there that, that are similarly structured. Right now, if you're a reporter, one of the few reporters left in the planet that knows how the freedom of information act works or knows how to, um, you know, look into public records and figure out at least using process of elimination or just regular old reporting to, you know, try to connect the dots and figure out who these webs of people are that are financing different you know, whether it's political attack ads or other types of um, uh, industry promoting uh, w- w- what amounts to propaganda, things like that. You have these 990 forms, which are the, the disclosure forms that these 501c um, organizations have to file. They have to, and to varying degrees, depending on if they're a 501c, 501c3, 501c4, they have to give some information, right? Um about what, who they're paying, uh, who, what they're, you know, that's how we were able to look up and make fun of John Podoritz's, um, you know, $400,000 a year lavish salary that he gets paid to, to basically shit out a crappy magazine every month that only that like 30,000 people subscribe to. And like half of them probably get it for free because it's included in their fucking like, uh, it's included in their their country club uh, subscription or something like that. It's like they get it in the shoved into the lockers at their um, whites only country club that they're members of. <laughs> and uh, so that, that kind of information can be called. And if you pull on the strings and if you're really enterprising enough, and there's been good reporting in the past where people have been able to take these forms and realize, you know, like I'm thinking about the, um, what appeared to be the grassroots reaction to the, the grassroots, um, movement of the tea party that we saw in 2010 2009 2010 in reaction to obama being um being elected a lot like there was some great reporting that happened in that time where where people used forms like these to actually realize that or to um, uncover the fact that it wasn't a grassroots organizing effort it was an astroturfing effort mostly by the coke uh coke aligned interests interests Mm -hmm. Uh, so they were able to look and see like, okay, this isn't just some, you know, benign group of, of concerned citizens coming together. This is a corporate backed uh, uh, enterprise that is making itself look like it's some grassroots activist group, which is what, you know, the cynical shit that the, um, that, that the, the tea party always was. And a lot of their sort of uh, other, other groups that came, that came after them. So, 
it's a reporting tool. It's a tool of transparency. It's a tool of democracy. Like you should get to know who it is um, that's uh, that's paying for the things that are being pumped into your ears and um, that are being that that are being the messaging that's being pushed at you. That's why you see so many times. I mean, going back to uh, the, the the laws that 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 govern you know the fcc uh fec laws that say that you know a candidate has to back their message and say transparently like i'm so and so and i approve this message which has basically just been become like an enormous joke the best look i can sit here and talk about this stuff <laughs> vaguely <laughs> uh for like for hours but i would say like if, if if you're out there if you're interested in this shit um look up uh download or buy or whatever um a book called Dark Money by Jane Mayer, um, which is a just a, a, an, an incredible, incredible exploration of this world of dark money, um, the consequences of C- Citizens United, uh, the um, the the effort to repeal McCain-Feingold, which had a lot to do with um, exposing dark money and exposing campaign finance reform, uh, you know, uh, campaign finance reform writ large, I should say, and. Uh, I would recommend it. I, I, I listened. It came out in like 2016, I think. I, I listened to it on Audible. It's like a, I don't know, like a like a three day re- a three day read or a three day listen. Um, definitely worth it. Anyway, uh, again, we'll try to update later when we find out more about what this specific rule change is. But again, these are the kind of things that people talk about, like elections having consequences. Like, yeah, man, when you elect a guy like this. And you elect in all of the all of the senators and we talked last week with um, we talked last week with David Ferris about how elections have consequences and how this the the deck becomes stacked more and more against you as in in intervening years as you continue to lose and lose and lose and lose over and over and um, this is a perfect example of it because there is one side of the ideological aisle that stands to. Um, stands to benefit from the source of their financing being obscured, right? Because there's only really one George Soros, a one um, conservative boogeyman who they can point to and be like, George Soros, you know, like what? Who's, like who else are they going to, like Rob Reiner? Who else are they going to say? <laughs> who else Baldwin. is out there? And, and, and Frank, yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> For George Soros to be responsible for all the shit that they accuse him of, he would have to be the he would have to be Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, and he would ha- basically have to yeah. own all of the money in the world <laughs> to to actually be doing everything that, that that they say. And even a person like Jeff Bezos, they make him out to be another another boogeyman just because he's he's personally aligned against Donald Trump. We see this shit from Elon Musk. People assume. That these rich guys, these billionaires that they like, are opposed to Donald Trump, and yeah, maybe it's the case that they're in the in Jeff Bezos's case, maybe he is opposed to Donald Trump. Uh, you know, in 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 some very specific policy or position ways or publicly facing ways, because he knows it makes more sense to be opposed to a very unpopular person when you don't have to, you know, he doesn't have to make anybody make a choice between them. Right. Nobody's going to not choose amazon because of his opposition to donald trump but if you sat those two guys down in a vacuum they probably agree on about like 99.9 percent of things 
and they probably have similar experiences, way more in common sure. than me or you have in common with Jeff Bezos. The two of them would probably get along a hell of a lot. Jeff Bezos would rather spend a weekend with Donald Trump than with <laughs> anybody listening to this show. But it's funny to hear people sort of like, like I saw this today with Bernie, where everybody was giving Bernie shit about um, Amazon Prime Day, which I'm sure you took full advantage of. I'm sure you dropped a, a solid fucking G on Amazon Prime Day. You would think so, but every day is Amazon Prime Day for me. So <laughs> it's terrible. You have, to start, you have to start. I'm going to challenge you to do this. I'm going to. I'm not going to do it. End of story. <laughs> so. What, am I, am I going to go to the store and buy batteries when I can get them for like a quarter the price? Just start looking for other places. Just start buying from other places online. Oh, I do. I buy from lots of places online. No, no, no. Amazon, but like, Amazon's like the one most. thing, like go, go a little out of your way. Whatever thing you, the next thing that you buy on Amazon, just like. Open up a new Google tab and search for it in, in another oh. shopping browser. For, first of all, you, you are forgetting that I am Jewish and I don't every perpetu- time don't perpetuate I, harmful stereotypes. Oh, I'm going to perpetuate all the stereotypes I want. Um, <laughs> every every time I buy anything, I have 10 tabs open so I can make sure even if it's one penny less, I will buy it from whatever site that is. It's just a uh, lot of the times it ends up being Amazon. Look at the look at the look at the deal I found. <laughs> look at the look at the deal. You you should get this software. It's normally it's it, I found it on a black market site for <laughs> for three dollars or two and a half pound less than it normally is. <laughs> That's actually quite a bit less. It's a wonderful deal. <laughs> Deal's a deal. Is that what I feel like in um, the uh, what's the section of the Torah that you read from during your um, during your? I'm not that during, kind of Jew. I don't. I don't know. I you no don't remember idea. it? Come on, What is the? Um, I mean, I know those words. I don't know if there's a name to the section. Okay, well, I'm sure that if you translate one portion of that section, it's like a deal is a deal. Like, <laughs> well, that's called being that. a man. <laughs> John McCain said today's press conference in Helsinki was one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president in I memory. I saw that. <sighs> and, and, and that guy killed a bunch of kids. <laughs> that guy murdered conservatively 10,000 Vietnamese children. <laughs> like directly. I don't mean like, oh, his vote went towards uh, a war of aggression, an illegal war of aggression that killed thousands of kids. That was way later when he when he gave full-throated support for the invasion of Iraq. I'm talking about when he literally fire, like, like carpet-bombed Vietnamese villagers <laughs> and their families and women and children. You know, I haven't uh, watched the full thing. I've only seen clips of, of what happened with Trump and Putin's uh, press conference. But uh, th- there's not a lot of people trying to defend Trump today. They all seem to have disappeared from Facebook. I saw a really interesting post from um, Mark Caputo, Politico, uh, a Miami-based political reporter, who had the story of – he had reposted an old story about um, – about this one, uh, this one professor who, for years now, 
has been has been the the like the lone defender like the as 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 the article called him like the apologist for um for anything that has to do with Russia anything that has to do with uh with um with Putin specifically and and prior to him he was now this guy is for people our age like we have no fucking clue who this guy is because all this shit ended and he fell into irrelevance long 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 before we were aware of anything going on. Um, but his name's Stephen Cohen, Stephen F. Cohen, mm-hmm. um, called the most controversial Russia expert in America. And he's on Tucker Carlson tonight, of course. Tucker Carlson's bringing him on. And you talk about it being hard to find today people who will defend Donald Trump and the meeting and the, and the, the, the Helsinki, uh, the, the outcome of the Helsinki uh, summit. This is one guy who will. Mm-hmm. Um the writer, and this is from the Chronicle of Higher Education, and uh, the the title is, is this Professor, uh, P- quote, Putin's American Apologist? And this is an article from November of last year, and it talks about this guy, um, Stephen F. Cohen, who's married to uh, the publisher, the editor and the publisher of The Nation, who's, <laughs> whose name is exactly what you would think somebody who publishes and edits the nation's name would be Katrina Vandenhuvel. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a character in a skit. Walking around, walking around his book-lined apartment in Manhattan's Upper West Side on an August evening, it's almost as though the man with the world's most famous bookmark is the third partner in the marriage between Stephen, Professor Stephen F. Cohen and uh, Vandenhuvel. Because this guy's um, entire apartment is or, is adorned with pictures of him and Gorbachev. This guy kind of rose to prominence during a time when having Mikhail Gorbachev's ear mattered. So like like before we were born, he wrote, he wrote um, uh, he he wrote the book uh, Bukharin and the Bolshevik Revolution. Um, which came out in 1973 and sort of became this bookmark for Gorbachev and other reformers in the Soviet, uh, in the late Soviet era to, um, you know, kind of soften themselves. And it led to the eighties and, and, and detente. And well, it was, it came during the middle of detente and it, uh, it it was just like, it presupposed that maybe there wasn't a fundamental flaw with the Soviet union, just that it had gone the wrong way. Basically Mm -hmm. it was a very influential text first time. Absolutely. And specifically because Mikhail Gorbachev fell in love with reading it. And, um, and he began to consult with this guy, um, uh, the, the professor Cohen, but he hasn't really been relevant for the last 20 or so years. And so now to a day like today is a day for him to make his comeback. Yeah. And um, I mean, he's always been sort of ever present, like a third stringer that they bring into these TV shows and, and kind of polish them up, dust them off and prop them up and, um, you know, wind them up and let them jabber into the camera for a few minutes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I saw on Twitter where people were talking about um, producers at Fox were like frantically making phone calls today to their deep into their bench of of talking heads and pundits being like hey what's your take because they have to feel you out first sure. right yeah so you they have to be like what's your take if we if we book you on to you know the five o'clock hour today what's your take on trump putin and i guess they were getting a lot of really negative responses because they were reaching reaching really deep for people like this to to, to get booked um so but i think you're right i think you're right i think that 
I don't know. I don't know what the staying power is of it, though. I don't know like how people. First of all, this is all the Twitter world. This is all people who are like you know politically poisoned, like me and you, and who like give a shit about this stuff. Even less like you, like more uh, living completely online type people. (laughs) I don't know if I would be shocked if like most of Middle America, Trump country, even processed any of this today. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of (laughs) that's the thing that we've been talking about forever, really, is how none of this is ever going to really reach them. But I I do think, though, in the the more mainstream, the media, the, you know, uh, you're definitely seeing a little bit of a different uh, reaction this time around. It's not it's not blanket defending. It's kind of just they just happen to not be on today. (laughs) <laughs> this is what seems to be happening yeah no the, the end result actually had uh, a really good the end result is reflected in a uh a post that um friend of the show jason harris had on on on, on facebook today where he was like it's like facebook kicked out all the idiots today because <laughs> none of them <laughs> none of them are posted <laughs> right none of them right. are out. exactly <laughs> um but so what kind of stuff did you buy for Prime Day today? I'm just curious. No, I didn't buy anything. You uh, didn't? But it's big no. savings, isn't it? Or uh, did, it, is this one of those bullshit holidays like um, Black Friday where it's not really cheaper? They just make it seem like it is and, and market it? 100% it's not one of those real things. Yeah. It, the thing is, if you're like me and deals are something that matter to you, um, Almost every weekend, there's a reason for a deal. There, there, there's Father's Day deals. There's Mother's Day deals. There's Labor Day deals. There's, there's the week after Labor Day deals. There, and it's all the same deals. And Amazon Prime Day is the exact same deals as it always is. Uh, you might find like a, a, a USB C cable for you know an extra dollar off. Like that's about it. There's not really deals. It's it's a totally bullshit thing. So I want to I want to eventually get to um Sasha Baron Cohen because I feel like that's something that we are uniquely um, positioned to talk about as sure. as connoisseurs of his comedy much longer than pretty much anybody else. I think you and I saw the very first Ali G episode on the first night it aired in like 1998 Sounds or whatever, and uh, or maybe I think I think Demise had an underground DVD or no he had like an underground yeah he had an underground DVD of Ali G that he let us see. Um, like, I don't know, in like the year 99 or 2000 or something like that. <laughs> so I just, I think it's funny that the one thing I want to say about it, about, about Sasha Baron Cohen is like, I think it's funny that between these kinds of projects, he has to let a solid 15 years elapse. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he can't, he can't be like, he's now he's so hot. He can't, there can't be a season two of this show. Right. Right, yeah. Well, I think he he recorded the whole thing, the whole season over the past year, uh, when nobody knew he was even doing it. And these characters, I mean, there's definitely a lot more makeup involved than there used to be with these new characters. Um, and it's funny too because he's kind of like cooled off a little bit. Um, you know, he's not really as popular as he once was. But I mean, I guess he waited the perfect amount of time for these people to let their guards down and allow him in. The character Iran Morad. I mean, like, how much were you laughing? The Israeli, oh, oh, the Israeli anti-terror expert. Oh yeah, he was the best one. (laughs) (laughs) 
now the, the makeup is so distractingly bad. <laughs> it's just like... The eyebrow is so funny. <laughs> yeah, with the, with the scar, uh-huh. like that's such a real detail that that that, that guy would have. Like that's perfect. It's so perfect. Uh-huh. Um, I, yeah, the, I, I know those guys, Mossad, Mossad agents. I, I mean, saw. That's what you would have been. I if you if you would been born, oh, yeah, definitely in yeah back back home, yeah, you would have been a Mossad agent. <laughs> or I'd just be like this little fat guy in a little deli somewhere <laughs> on a kibbutz. On a kibbutz. <laughs> um, I saw something like just before we started recording um, that you know obviously you know Republicans are trying to like you know hit back against you know uh, Sasha Baron Cohen trying to make him look bad and stuff, and they tried to say that he. Um, uh, I forget what the the word is or whatever, but he violated the the whole thing where you're not allowed to uh, pretend that you're you're a disabled war veteran. Um, yeah, stolen valor. Stolen yeah. valor. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, but but if you Which actually I think paid is attention, the coolest crime, the coolest crime in the world is stolen valor. I think it's awesome. <laughs> but if you paid t- paid attention to the episode. Um, Bernie Sanders is the one he's that character is interviewing, and Bernie yeah. Sanders is like, are, "Are you disabled, sir?" And, and he's he says, "No, he's he's only in it so you can conserve his energy." That's the only reason he's in the wheelchair. <laughs> well, I think that that character, the um, the alt right, uh, you know, boomer guy uh-huh. that he plays, um, in the in the rascal scooter, he, I think that it came up in what we didn't see is I think that that character also maybe we'll see it later in the season. He that character interviewed Sarah Palin uh-huh. at some point, and we know this because how brilliant these conservatives are who got duped by him. They're doing the best PR. For oh the yeah, show. they're they're the reason <laughs> I was excited sue. about it. Yeah, me too. I would not have known about this show yeah. if it wasn't for all of them coming public and be, and and letting us know that that it was coming. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm, I'm ready for this show. This will be good. Freaking genius. <laughs> fucking genius yeah, I, I love it um <laughs> so I, I what it what it brings up to me is and we've talked about this before uh the tv station the network the digital company that i used to work for fusion which is kind of a, a husk of what it used to be but it, and it's like just like subject of a new horror story every week about you know layoffs and they're, they're the owners now of gizmodo group and it's like whatever i'm not going to rehash that whole terrible shit that's going on over there is they sell off everything that that isn't nailed down there and ruin the onion and ruin everything that's that's always been good um but anyway back in uh they have a show that is i think it was like an online show that was about donald trump like a badly animated show and then we talked about the stephen colbert animated trump show and how bad is and, uh, you know, I'm thinking of like the Alec Baldwin um, portrayals of Trump on SNL, which are just the worst. And this <laughs> is saying something because Saturday Night Live has been really bad for a really long time. Sure, yeah. And this is that the, the Alec Baldwin. Be, the Alec Baldwin as Trump skits are probably. I would say for me. That and the Stefan character are the two widest gaps between what other people find funny and what I find funny. And where people have shown have been like, you gotta see this, you have to see these these bits, and like shown me on YouTube, and I sit there staring at them, waiting to laugh. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm the asshole. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not funny. <laughs> right? 
Maybe it's me, Dave. That's not funny. That's carpool I, karaoke for me. Yeah, carpool karaoke. Perfect. <laughs> People are like, you've got to see Adele with this fat kid. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm not moved. I'm not moved at all. I don't get it. It goes over my head that that piece, that cultural point of reference is missing in me, I suppose. And um, but they're like, and then I look and it's like the 2.7 billion plays. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But um, the era of political political comedy, it feels right that it's been terrible. It feels like it should be bad right now. Mm-hmm. Because forever, all through like the whole Bush era um the daily show the, the the golden era of the daily show um and colbert report and all that stuff it felt like um and even like later on into the mid obama years uh when oliver john oliver got on I th- when did he get on like 2013 something like that right um when he got his own show mm-hmm. it felt like there was being there was too much emphasis being placed on Oh wow, these people are just comedians and they're giving the real news. And it's like Yeah, yeah. You know, like the whole the whole like, you know what? These days I turn on the comedy channel for my news <laughs> and I turn on the news channel for comedy. Does that blow your mind? Does that just completely fuck you up? And it was like Crazy World, man. <laughs> crazy world. <laughs> so um, I don't know, man. I just I feel like uh I feel like this is the first good bit of satire that I've seen that is accurately accurately capturing um, something I think that is is worth being made fun of. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I'd say this and the Onion, which has been consistently great, <laughs> but that's about it. Um, is that the transition into no. our big interview? No, we don't have an interview this week. Fuck. I told you it's the original boys. The original bird boys. The original bird boys bringing you that bird water. I think it makes sense for us to just be us this week as we leave Boiled the podcast bird moment. water. What I'm hoping to do is book one more person who um, who we weren't able to get last week. Last week is a busy week. Two big interviews. But uh, this week I hope we can get one more. Hope we can record... Um, hope we can record an episode. Obviously, we'll record our live episode. In uh, you know what? I know they say they're giving us a half hour, but when we get a half hour into it, I want to see them try and make a stop. We do an hour show. <laughs> we do a one hour show. I'm sorry. Take this as fair warning. Well, I'm sure that we'll you... also record another episode, like in Philly somewhere. Just like, just to record. Do the math. What are the chances? That they have somebody bigger than me that can make me move. It's so like it's so slim that there's gonna be a person that can force me out of that studio. We'll stay for an hour. I'm I'm down. I leave the next day, so I mean, what's what's the big what's the big deal? How, you know you know how bad you have to fuck up to get kicked out of the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, you, you gotta fuck up bad, man. <laughs> Um, what do you got? You got anything you want to talk about? I've been like laying golden eggs here for the last 40 minutes. It's been pretty great, man. It's been great. Um, 
No, not really, man. I I I wanted to. I wanted to. Why are talk. you calling me man? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's let's stop that shit. Maybe I'm trying something new, man. Don't you twenty years? <laughs> Be like if I gave you a handshake when I see you in Philly. <laughs> Don't you since I was since I still had wet on my dick. <laughs> So that means, that means it was wet from when you were a baby until we met? No, no. just specifically the day that I met you, it happened to be wet. <laughs> there was another thing going on. It was, it was a whole situation, and it stuck with me. I was, you know, 18 years old. And you remember when your dick was wet when you were 18. Now that I know that, I think it's very inappropriate. It changes the whole contour of our relationship. <laughs> conservatively i would guess my dick's been wet 40 to 45 percent of the time that you and i have been together (laughs) but for like varying reasons sometimes accidentally sometimes mischievously (laughs) and sometimes just you know old garden variety come I don't know what to do with any of this. Hi, uh, Senator Warren. Yeah, we'd like to ha- have you on um, Bird Road because, uh, you know, we think that you'd be a really good fit. Uh, listen to one of our episodes. Yeah, sure. Sure. Hang on. Let me just send you a link. Might we suggest 35? Episode 35. Skip right to 48 minutes when them boys <laughs> are talking about them dicks. Them boys. When them boys are talking about them bird waters. Get them da- dousing their dicks in bird water. <laughs> it's hard when I sit down and I start recording this show with you. I know in the back of my head there's a bunch of people who are listening to it who I don't want to hear me talking like this. <laughs> like, I know it. I know but it. You got to get me going. Whoever you are out there, just know that you listening to this show is not as important to me as getting a laugh from Jewish Dave. <laughs> I don't care. I know Barack Obama listens. I already know. I see. Uh, don't like don't like what you said about the dicks, but <laughs> nonetheless, find it com- compelling. Compelling radio. <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to do an impression of Obama. Is it racist? <laughs> I'm not sure. We'll have to ask somebody He's about only that. Only half racist. He's only half black. <laughs> only half racist uh if you like your podcast and keep your podcast if you like to keep if you like your dick wet and keep your dick wet you need to do a uh a headliner for for, for this episode and uh use one of those put apps to, up, yeah, to make, make his, up. Make his like, lips move Barack Obama approved. If you if you like your <laughs> if you like your bird if you like bird water poured on your dick, you can keep bird water poured on your dick. <laughs> I'm not trying to take away your free lunch here. <laughs> did you ever notice? Where did he get in his bio? I might be a little light on his bio, but where did he get a southern accent? Is Hawaii in the south? <laughs> Hawaii, they don't have like 
<laughs> you don't have southern accents in Hawaii, right? He's trying to reach those folks. <laughs> I always hated the word folks. Folks. Like using the word folks feels racist. Yeah, it really does. Folks. <laughs> or they pandering. Some folks. Pandering. Everything, yeah. Everything that he did was very pandering. It was pandersome. <laughs> it was it was is panderous. <laughs> you know what our show needs, Dave? What? A third person. <laughs> I don't think so. No, it does. It does. That there's a there's too much empty emptiness. There's too much waiting for a joke to happen. We need like one more really smart person. And then and maybe maybe just a little bit less of you. <laughs> I think that would throw the whole thing off. Uh, oh yeah. Sad thing. Wait, why is we think Sad things We talk about bad things We're going Wow, that's weird Die here Well, how do I make it stop? Okay, cool No, that was really (laughs) weird Because I don't know what it was about the sound Of the way this app is But I totally thought that was out loud It it didn't (laughs) sound like it was in my headphones at all It It felt like, like it was coming from outside the headphones Yeah, like it was in the room That was weird you're going to like it when I come inside your headphone. <laughs> All right, give me your picks. Let's just waste some time here. Uh, what's your What's your final takeaway on, on, on Trump and Putin? Just like fucking finish it. Finish. Finish it. <laughs> That's a weak finishing. <laughs> finish it. That's a character that's like uh that's that's like um what's his name? Rorschach telling uh Dr. Manhattan to, to finish it. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I it it's it's nothing that we should be surprised about, but I mean I, I guess if anything, I'm surprised about the reaction today that it's been quite as big as it was. Just don't like if you're gonna make fun, this goes out to my mostly mostly my my liberal friends out there. If you're gonna make fun of of like if you're gonna like go at or you know you don't have it, it, it's true you don't have to do like transgressive gay comedy like making gay people out to be bad and weird to like make fun of Trump and Putin like it's capable for like there are ways to make fun of them for being shitty without making it homophobic. It's played <laughs> like, out. It's so played out. It's like, I don't know. Maybe this is something that, and I'm somebody who authentically likes gay jokes. And <laughs> just I just feel like these, there's like a special like batch of nastiness that these come from. It has something to do with the fact that most of the people that are doing them probably honestly think that they're not homophobic and think that they're good allies, except for when it comes to just this one topic where they think it's just all right to, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the morality police. I make jokes about cum and <laughs> I don't, I, I really don't give a shit. I make jokes about race. I make jokes about gum. I make jokes about being gay and being straight. But this one, like, it's just, it bothers me. Maybe because it's not funny. Maybe it's, that's the ultimate thing, right? Like all, what all the, what all the comedians are always complaining about, like why they can't go. Like Bill Maher is always complaining, like why he can't go to college campuses anymore and shit. 
like, oh, but you know, all that matters is, is 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 if it's funny. But what they don't tell you is like all these fucking like next generation Bill Hicks wannabes or like um, George Carlin wannabes. They're not funny. Like the jokes that they're telling that they're getting <laughs> shit for aren't funny jokes. I mean, some of them are funny, but not all of them. Very are few. Very like, like I would say the only. I mean, like maybe Louis, and he ain't doing any shows anytime soon. Um, like other than him, there's not really that many people doing that like really blue, transgressive type of comedy that are doing it funny. Like most of them aren't really very good. Like the Cometown guys, they're funny. Like and that lay that layer of 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 comedian, like the I've never seen them like, do stand up. I, I, um, I Nick that. Mullins a really good stand up. Yeah. Stavros is 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 Stavros Halkius is a good stand is a really good stand up. I still see good stand up though. There's still good stand up out there. It's just I, I think you focus in too much on some of the bad shit, but no, but a lot of it has become like SNL. Like this right. like, overtly I, safe. I don't like, like that at uh, all. Positional comedy, like where it's Yeah, I don't like that at all. I mean, we've talked about that before, but there's still a lot of good ones out there. I don't like using and I don't like using woke as an insult, but like it's like woke comedy, yeah. and yeah. It, it's it's a, it's an it's not good, yeah. dude. <laughs> William Zabka, snub of all snubs, maybe the, the biggest William snub Zabka. in the history of this award. <laughs> William Zabka should have gotten outstanding everything. He was the best performer of uh, the entire year? year to show up on your television okay. screen. Above and beyond this year, in the last 12 months, absolutely. And I'm not I'm being a little funny about it, but I'm being a hundred percent sincere. I'm not being ironic. I'm being a hundred percent sincere. If you have not watched, we talk about like um trailers that make sh- things look good and they turn out to be bad. Other way around, trailers that look terrible. And actually, the show ends up being incredible. If you haven't watched Cobra Kai, you are missing out. If you watched William Zabka playing an asshole in uh, like the biggest jerk of your childhood when he was in Karate Kid, when he was in Back to School, when he was in Just One of the Guys, he, in like 100 movies, he played the, the asshole cool guy. This guy now, I don't know, he has to be like in his 50s now has the most like touching funny nuanced at the same time like big and self-aware uh role of the year playing his old character johnny from karate kid in this updated cobra kai you know uh tv series he no joke, Dave is so fucking good, and the 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 snub that he was not considered, probably because YouTube probably right. has no idea how to actually get people nominated for these things, because there's a whole process, and I mean YouTube just has a crazy amount of money, but they don't have, they don't they don't have like the connections you need to make that happen. I'm sure. Um, in a fair world, this guy would win. I guess I guess it would be lead in an outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. He would win that. It would be right up there between him and him and uh, and Donald Glover. I would I would think uh, he was so good. And if you haven't seen that TV show, they're only like twenty minutes a piece, and there's only like ten of them. It's like a three hour movie, basically. Just watch it. It's so fucking good. And if you if you have that cultural resonance, like if you 
it only it will to be honest it will only be good if you saw the karate kid if you if you never saw karate kid then you probably won't have an appreciation but they really do a great job of balancing a new storyline with um nostalgia and they hit all the right notes the show is great i mean uh, unironically not joking around i'm saying that this show is actually oh, i've heard great. i've heard it's really good um but like you were just saying um and kind of similar to last week when i told you that i really don't remember mr rogers very well um i'm sure i saw karate kid but i don't i don't remember it enough to get anything out you of and it. i have watched karate kid since we were adults because we had a friend that's true um i was yeah, probably no, really high i actually i we were and uh, we watched it on my couch with Bizzo because Bizzo would always force people to watch it. What else I love? Uh, I don't know. I love that we're going to be in Philly next week, me and you, do, doing you stuff. I'm Are very like- excited about it. Um, so, yeah, that's my love for the week, honestly. I'm looking forward to it. I would say my hate is a um, – I don't know if I've done this before. Uh, I don't think I have. Have I talked to you about four exposure? No, I, I don't think so. Okay, I'm I'm following. I don't remember how long ago I started following them, but uh, it's uh, I'm following this account called at four exposure underscore txt. So four exposure is a Twitter account that gathers up a bunch of, I guess, interactions between uh, creators like artists, designers, musicians, composers like you. Um, and people who are trying to get them to give them work for okay. exposure. Like they're saying, like, just give, you know, so like this, this account, I don't actually hate this account. This account is great. It's a well curated, well done. Okay. I hate the way it makes me feel. I hate reading all the stuff that they post because it's the most obnoxious entitled group of assholes that are out there that just, again, anybody ever, if you create anything, I don't care how bad you are at it, dude. Never do it for free. I don't just, just, just keep it to yourself then. Never do a thing for exposure. I mean, Dave, you can probably, I'm, I'm a writer. I've been lucky enough to be always paid for writing. Like ever since I kind of first got into it, I was lucky enough that I, you know, started as a reporter. And now today I still write and I get paid, I get compensated very fairly for it. Um, but in the world, the world of music is incredibly competitive too. And there are people that I imagine come have come to you over the, Many, many years, just like, oh, just give it to me and I'll, you know, give me some free music and, you know, we'll hook yeah. you up. Every, everyone, constantly. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, I um, pay you. Yeah, I, we, we could, I don't, I, I really uh, don't have enough time to get into this conversation right now, but uh, I, I completely, completely oh, disagree cool. Cool. Um, with the cool. idea. I, I actually have argued many times with people online about the idea of never working for free. Um, you, you simply just have to uh, when you're starting out. Oh, so you think, you think that you do have to work for free? Yes, 100%. Oh, yeah. I think that's for jerks. Yeah. Well, it is, you know, it is for jerks, but that's the real world. That's just how it is. You will simply never, ever, 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 ever work if you don't do it for free a few times at some point. Okay. Okay. But I challenge you to this. Just read this account. Read some of these interactions with these people. I'm sure they're terrible because most people are. <laughs> so I'm sure I'll, I'll hate everything about the account. And I'll totally agree with you, but I just disagree with the uh, 
the whole. You've been real fussy all night. Never, you know that? never working for free. Real thing. fussy with me all night. <laughs> really coming for my balls. <laughs> <laughs>